Hurts for NBA range. He buries a triple. You're listening to the Talkin' Johnny's podcast featuring St. John's University student, Ryan Olson. What's going on, Johnny Nation? I'm your host, Ryan Olson, and welcome back after a long break to another episode of the Talkin' Johnny's podcast. For those of you who've listened, I know it hasn't been too many yet as I'm still trying to grow my followership. It's been a while since my last episode, and I want to address that right now. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I've been dealing with a personal issue that They've been watching and tuned into the Johnnies, of course, every every night that they play. And I really want to get back to this because this is a passion of mine. I love St. John's fans. I love connecting with them. I love sharing my takes with them. So I'm really excited to get back to the Talking Johnnies podcast. And let's get right into it then. Yesterday, the Johnnies took a really tough defeat on the road at Creighton, 66-65. A late shot attempt by Danish Jenkins would not fall. And a rebound, offensive rebound by Jordan Dingle and would put up a shot at the buzzer. That didn't go either, but there's something to note. He was mauled on the shot, absolutely mauled, but there was no call. There's been a lot of debate on St. John's Twitter after the game saying that the, the refs completely blew the game. 15 fouls were called against the Red Storm in the second half to Creighton's only five. There was a clear discrepancy there, and especially at the last second when the Johnnies had a chance to overcome all that, they just needed the blow of one whistle to get one of their premier foul shooters, Jordan Dingle, to the line with a chance to put two in the basket and give the Johnnies a huge road victory. Unfortunately, that was not the case as Fate and James Breeding and Nathan Farrell didn't have that in store for the Red Storm. But at 4-2 in the conference with the loss and a 12-5 overall, the Johnnies are still in good shape as they prepare to head to Seton Hall for a big matchup on Tuesday night against the first-place Pirates. But from there on out, the Johnnies were 4-1 coming into this game for the first time since 2000. Then they had won at Villanova last weekend for the first time since 1993. In just one year, Rick Pitino is doing things for the Red Storm that haven't been done in 20, 30 years. It's incredible. This team, with a win against Creighton, they would have cracked the top 25, in my opinion. They're still sitting just on the outside, but a huge opportunity for them to get right back in with a big week coming up with Seton Hall and then Marquette at, the, at Madison Square Garden this coming Saturday. There's so much to be excited about. Rick Pitino has done what everybody in this fan base has dreamed of, and that is quickly transform a sleeping giant. The Red Storm have been a sleeping, dormant giant for, for the last 20 years about ninth or 10th in the NCAA in terms of the winningest programs in history. And it's been a shame what's happened the last 20 years. And getting the fans back and getting everyone engaged is not going to happen overnight. But the Red Storm are on the right track. A storm is brewing. Join in on the fun or don't bother joining along at all. The Red Storm did fall 66-65 against Creighton. Let's get into it. First half. Creighton would take a 10-4 lead early. Johnny's come back with a 10-0 run, take a 14-10 lead. I was a little concerned. They were doing a lot of high pick-and-roll action with Jenkins and Soriano. Jenkins, I have to say, has been unbelievable. The four-game winning streak the Johnny's had coming into the Creighton game on Saturday, he was averaging 18 points per game and seven assists. Not only scoring at a high level, but facilitating at a high level, doing it all. Him and Joel have been great leaders for this Red Storm team. Rick has spoken so highly about Danis and what he's done for the Red Storm. 
it's remarkable. People were criticizing him early in the season, but he has been unbelievable for this team. This team would not be anywhere near where they are right now if it wasn't for Danis Jenkins. And of course, Joel Soriano, the double-double machine, has been solid in his fifth year of eligibility. He's continuing to dominate the glass. But I noticed Danis taking a lot of shots. In fact, in the first half, Danis would take nine shots, going three for nine from the from the floor. A little bit too many shots for me. We saw this problem a little bit in the Charleston Classic with Danis. He was taking too many shots. The offense really wasn't getting into a rhythm. Now, there's no secrets. This Red Storm team can score. That's never been the problem for them. They're Now they're scoring, and now they're defending at a high level, which is a dangerous combination, and that is why Rick Patino's team has the Big East on notice, and not only the Big East, but the country on notice. Like I mentioned, Danis Jenkins, a little bit too shot heavy in the first half. I was really impressed with Jordan Dingle's eight minutes in the first half. He was three for three from the floor, putting in six points. But the notable thing, the Johnnies were trailing by five at the end of the first half. But Dingle had a plus minus of eight. So 11 guys would check in for the Red Storm in the first half. And that goes to show you the depth of this team. And I really, I like that. But I think down in conference play, things need to tighten up a little bit. I'll get into that more about in the second half. We saw RJ Louise. Had four points as well. Really balanced scoring for the first half. The Red Storm would go down 35-30. And for the Creighton Blue Jays, they were led by Ryan Kolfbrenner in the first half, who had nine points and seven rebounds. Had Kind of had his way with Joel early on. Joel was struggling a couple of uh, contested shots. Kolfbrenner was really getting in Joel's way. And Joel wasn't able to get into a rhythm. And then on the perimeter side, the Creighton Blue Jays would take 23 three-pointers in the first half. 23 in the first half. They would only hit six of them, but three came from Stephen Ashworth, who would put up nine points in the first half. So it was really Ashworth and Kalkbrenner for the Blue Jays, and it was Dingle and Jenkins for the Red Storm. Even though Jenkins took the nine shots, he was still, he still finished with six points in the first half. Him and Dingle were the leading scorers for the Red Storm as they hit the 20-minute break in Omaha, in a freezing cold Omaha, by the way. Now let's get to the second half. The second half, Joel Soriano came out on a mission. Joel only had four points in the first half. One of six from the floor in the first half, but he came out six points, three boards in the first 225 for the Red Storm. Got the Red Storm right back into the game. They would, in fact, take the lead, and then it would be a little back and forth for a little stretch. This was a tight game overall. A team with the Creighton would, would take a lead early in the first half. The Red Storm would answer. Creighton would go up seven early in the second half. The Red Storm would answer. In fact, the Red Storm would use a 14 to two run to go up by as many as nine points. Zuby Edgefor and Chris Ledlam led the attack. I have to say, they took out, uh, Patino took out Soriano for a, a decently long stretch in the second half, and Zuby Edgefor did a great job. Overall, I was impressed with his game. I thought he brought a lot of intensity and energy. He did a good job on Kolfbrenner down low, had a couple of nice moves, and the Johnnies went on a run when he was on the floor. But a Baylor Shireman technical foul would fuel the Creighton Blue Jays. The Johnnies had gone up by nine. It had looked like maybe the Johnnies were going to weather a little bit of adversity that they faced in the first half. They were down, but no. Creighton would come back, and as Johnny fans know so well, a nine-point lead is nothing on the road for them. The lead was instantly back to two. Boom, Creighton takes the lead back. We go down the stretch kind of after Creighton takes the lead. The Red Storm answer. We had a big-time three-pointer by Danish Jenkins to give the Johnnies the lead. But ultimately, the Johnnies would go cold. The final 4-24, they would have two points in that stretch. And ultimately, yes, 
what Twitter was talking about after the game, what the media was talking about after the game. The Red Storm would trail 66-65. They would come down the floor with a chance to win the game. Danish Jenkins would, would settle for a mid-ranger over the outstretched arm of, of Ryan Kalkbrenner, who did a great job altering the shot. The shot would not fall. A tip from Chris Ledlam would land in the hands of Jordan Dingle, who would then up from the heave one up. It would not fall. He was mauled in the process of heaving that shot up. And once again, there was no call. A story of the second half. In fact, Creighton only had nine field goals in the second half. They scored most of their points from the charity stripe because, quite frankly, James Breeding and Nathan Farrell were giving Creighton a call every single time down. 15 to 5 is an insane discrepancy. It should not be tolerated. The, big the Creighton Blue Jays used that to their advantage, the, the, the friendly whistle of the referees. The Red Storm, I have to say, were playing a little bit too handsy on the defensive end, especially RJ Luis. There was multiple times where they would pick up silly fouls, him and Zuby Ejiofor, a couple of reaches when they didn't need to. I think there's so much potential with RJ Luis. He just needs to be a little bit more under control. But watching him out there, there is clear NBA potential with him on the floor. When Rick said such high words about him early in the season, I wasn't so sure. But after seeing him now, it is clear that this kid has legit talent. But again, with due time, he needs to be a little bit more disciplined, especially down the stretch of this one. You know, you can blame the refs all you want. You can go, well, that was a foul. Well, you know, Danish Jenkins on the possession before the Blue Jays would get a second chance opportunity after a rebound was squandered by the Red Storm because Danish Jenkins got his legs taken out from under him by a Creighton player. This type of stuff you need to overcome. You can't score two points in the final 424 and expect to win. Now, don't get me wrong. I am very upset at the officiating performance in that second half. But the Red Storm didn't help themselves when they needed to. The Red Storm could have walked out of there with a victory if they... There's no excuses. Creighton was a winnable game to, uh, yesterday in Omaha. And it would have been a huge win for the Red Storm. But you know what? And it hurts because this team is making such big strides. It hurts because this team has us all invested. We care because this team has serious intentions. A top five finish in the Big East is looking very much possible. And actually, I think more likely than not. But, you know, you need to be better. You have to be better on the fouling. St. John's has had a fouling issue all season. So that's what I want to get into next. The fouling issue. You can say, like I've said, you can blame the refs all you want. But the Red Storm did commit 20 fouls in this game. But that's not the first time. They committed 22 fouls in a loss against Dayton. 22 fouls. In a loss against Boston College, and 22 fouls in a loss against UConn, and 20 to the, uh, yesterday against Creighton. In four of the Red Storm's five losses, they've committed 20-plus fouls. It's not really a referee issue when it's four out of five losses. It's not a referee issue. Maybe against Creighton in that second half, yes. Was there some nitpicking calls and then that blatant no call at the final seconds? Yes. I'm not going to stand here and say no. But the Red Storm needs to play cleaner defense. No fouling on the defensive end. If they continue to foul at a high clip going down the stretch, they will have trouble winning games. Creighton was able to knock down free throws at a high clip in the second half, and that's ultimately why they won this game. Trey Alexander knocked down two with about 10 and change left, and that was the difference, needless to say. Another key takeaway I want to take from this game is the three points. 
St. John's is 0-3 this season when they make four or less three-pointers. You want to know when they made four or less three-pointers? Boston College, UConn, and yesterday against Creighton. St. John's has guys who can stretch the floor. They have Dingle. They have Aline. Brady Dunlap was limited today after twisting his ankle against Providence on Wednesday night. We didn't see much of him today, but he can stretch the floor. There's guys that can shoot on this team. They, there, there is no reason why they should only take 11 three-pointers in this contest. They took 11. They only made two. That is horrendous. Horrendous. Now, I think they should take more three-pointers, and they have done a better job of that throughout the season. I don't know why they weren't able to get into that flow. They were doing a lot of high ball screens. They settled for a lot of mid-range jumpers. But with Rick Pitino and his love for shooters, I would expect the Red Storm to have gotten into a little bit more of a flow from, the, from beyond the three-point line. I would have liked to have seen Dingle get a few more attempts up. I would have liked to see some of those Aline shots from the mid-range be on the three-point line, maybe set ball screens a little bit higher above the three-point line so he could come around the screen and get that look from deep. But again, I'm getting a little bit nitpicky here, but the three-pointers, if you make four or less for the Red Storm, they're not going to win. It's clear this season that that's been the case. Now, there's another point that I want to hit. Doing some research, this is the best starting five statistically by net scoring, meaning the points scored minus the points allowed per 100 possessions. This is the best lineup, and it was hardly, I don't even know if it was on the floor against Creighton on Saturday. That's Danis at point guard, Jordan Dingle at shooting guard, RJ Louise at the three, Ledlam at the four, and Soriano at the five. That is your best lineup. That is the lineup that I think Rick should lean on a little bit more. I understand wanting to give guys minutes, wanting to get guys experience. He wants to play 10, 11 guys. I like that, and I get it. But when when moments matter, they need to have these guys in the game. At the end of the game, yes, I like Naheem Aline a lot. I think he had a good game against Creighton, just a couple of shots that rimmed in and out, played good defense. But overall, Jordan Dingle is a proficient scorer. He hasn't really gotten the opportunity to score in this offense to his capabilities that we saw at Penn last season. I really think if he is able to, if he is given a, just a, a few more minutes here and there and takes a few more shots because he can be deadly from free. Chris Ledlam obviously still battling the ankle issue. We'll see more of him going forward. I was impressed with his minutes. I think he was an underrated key to this game and the Red Storm being able to keep it close. He did have nine rebounds. He only had, I believe he only scored four in this one, but he was he had an effect on the game with his offensive and defensive rebounding. So now that brings me to my final points. And so let's look ahead, wrap things up for this episode. Here are our next six games. Right now we're sitting at four and two in the conference. We're tied for third with Creighton at four and two, 12 and five overall. Four of our next six games are going to be coming on our home court a home court where we're going to need a true home court advantage. Zach Braziller called out the Red Storm faithful with their lackluster attendance the last couple of weeks. And the fans do need to step it up. But again, to win back a fan base after 20 years is going to take more than just a couple of big wins. They're going to have to get on a roll. The Red Storm do deserve us to be there, and I will be there for every game. And I expect all of you diehards and loyal Red Storm fans that you will be there as well because the guys on the floor need us there. But looking ahead, this is my kind of perspective on the next couple of things, next couple of games. We're going to go at Hall Tuesday night. Hall's in first place in the conference sitting at 5-1. and one. If you ask me, it's remarkable what Shaheen Holloway has done with this team considering their lackluster start. I never expected this. I don't think anyone expected this. But you know what? The Red Storm... It's not a do or die game because the Red Storm are firmly into the NCAA tournament field as we stand today. 
But the Red Storm need this game on Tuesday night in Newark. They need it because you can't lose two games in a row. You have Marquette on Saturday, which even though it's on your home floor, will be a tough game. You need to win a tough game on the road. It's a huge resume booster. It's a huge win for confidence, for for momentum. And after just losing to Creighton by one point, you needed to win one of two of these games on the road. Take the one at Seton Hall. I think that game will be winnable. I think we can play with Seton Hall. I think we are better than Seton Hall. I think Seton Hall has impressive wins over Marquette and UConn on their home floor. But So I think we'll beat Seton Hall. I really do. And you know what? I think we'll beat Marquette on Saturday as well. That one will be tough, though. I'm not I'm not as confident about that. I definitely think Tuesday night at Hall we're going to come out with the victory. Saturday, I'd like to think we're, we come out with the victory. Next Wednesday, we'll, we'll suit up against Villanova. Book it. I got them for a W there. At Xavier, might be a loss. Xavier with a huge win on the road against Providence yesterday. Big time win. I think we're better than Xavier. We definitely are. We beat at Carneseca back in December, but it could be a tough game. You never know. Road games in the Big East are tough every time out, regardless of the team. Uh, at Hall versus Marquette versus Nova at Xavier versus UConn versus DePaul. I would love a four and two stretch there. I think a four and two stretch is definitely reasonable. I think if you win at Hall and you win uh, against Nova, that would be two and one in our next three. Maybe you drop Marquette. I'm just speaking hypothetically. Then you take at Xavier and versus DePaul and you lose against UConn, which I strongly hope we don't because I want to beat Danny Hurley like no one else. And I'm sure this fan base wants to as well. But looking ahead, the Johnnies are in great shape. They're tied for third in the conference. A top five finish is looking likely. I would love to not have to play on the Wednesday triple header of the Big East tournament for once. because We did that just about every year under Mike Anderson. I'm getting tired of that. I want to see ourselves play on a Friday night of the Big East tournament. And I think that is a guarantee with Rick and his tenure here. That is a no doubter, but we're sitting pretty right now. Tough loss. No doubt. Refs hurt us in the second half, but let's move on. Let's take it to Hall on Tuesday night. I think we can come out on top in that game. It's certainly not going to be easy because it's going to be a tough environment. But if you live in the tri-state area and are able to, I encourage you and I urge you to do what you can to get out to that game. I know, of course, it's going to be a very heavy Seton Hall crowd, but we have a lot of Johnny fans in the tri-state area in the Jersey region that can go out. I'm making the trip from Long Island out to this game. I'm super excited to watch the Johnnies compete. I'll be there for the rest of the games this season, and I'm super excited for what's to come under Rick Pitino. Tough loss, but onward and upward. Let's go Red Storm. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.